as you guys are finding your seats this morning, I just want to welcome you. My name is Charlie Turner. I am the lead pastor here at River Rock Bible Church. Uh, how many of you guys recognize that song that was playing, right, from Rocky? Uh, I think that was Rocky Three, where he's, he's fighting the Russian. Uh, and uh, it's a great movie, isn't it? Everybody loves Rocky. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue last week what Stephen started talking about endurance. And last week, he talked about enduring through the hardship. And this morning, we're going to talk very similarly about finishing well. Finishing well. The date was June 28, 1991. The location was the Mirage Hotel in Nevada. The event, Tyson versus Donovan Razor Ruddick. Round two, right? These guys had fought once before, and, and Razor Ruddick, man, he went down pretty early on in the fight and lost, and he was determined that he was going to come back and he was going to prove that he was worthy to be there, that he deserved the chance to be in the ring with Iron Mike Tyson. And so he comes out, and he's holding his own for the first few rounds he holds his own, and then in round four, he gets a broken jaw from one of Iron Mike Tyson's punches. Mike Tyson is said to be one of the hardest punchers that has ever uh, participated in the sport of boxing. Not a very tall guy compared to most other boxers, but man, he, get, he would get angry. And he could, he could just like clobber people. I remember one fight, he fought the guy, it was like 13 seconds. Big pay-per-view event, fights the guy 13 seconds, goes down. Right? Everybody paid all this money and now they want their money back. But he takes a punch right to the jaw from Mike Tyson breaks his jaw, and everyone expected that he would come out favoring his jaw and perhaps even throw in the towel and quit, but he didn't. He wanted to prove that he deserved to be there, and so he, he goes round after round after round, round five, six, seven, eight, all the way through round 12, and that final bell rings, and he's still standing with a broken jaw. And the decision comes to the judges, and in the end, Mike Tyson is declared the winner of the fight. But the real winner of that day was Donovan Razor Ruddick. Why? Because he endured to the end. He finished well. He got the snot beat out of him. Broken jaw. But he stuck with it to the very, very end. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage where Paul is going to encourage us as followers of Jesus Christ that we are to finish well. We're to finish well. Uh, there's no point in our life where God says it's okay for us to just coast. He wants us to continue pressing on, continue enduring the hard things so that we can finish well. And at the end of our lives, we can stand before the Lord and not only be welcomed into heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, but that we could stand before him and hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So this morning, if you will turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24, if you're following along the reading plan that we have here at River Rock Bible Church, you should have just read this passage on Friday. How many of you are sticking with that? Man, that's awesome. That's really encouraging to see. I want to encourage you guys, endure through that. You're going to miss days. Uh, In fact, I missed a couple days the week before last, and I had to get caught up on Monday. Uh, so it's going to happen, but stick with it. Jump right back in. If you're wondering what we're talking about, you can find our reading plan on our website. Um, I don't think we have any printed copies anymore, but it's on our website. You can go and you can find it there under resources. You don't have to catch up. Just jump in. Just jump in with chapter 10 tomorrow morning, and you can stay with us the rest of the year. But this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The first thing he's going to tell us 
if you're going to endure to the end, if you're going to finish well, the first thing he's going to tell us is that you have to compete to win. You have got to compete to win. Look at what he says in verse 24. Don't you know? Now Paul's going to ask a question. It's a rhetorical question. Anytime you read through Paul's letters, he, he asks this question all the line. Don't you know? Don't you know? It's a rhetorical question, which means he expects his readers already know the answer to the question he's about to ask. He says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Paul says, look, you are entered into the race. He asks this rhetorical question, and, and he knows that the people that he's talking to here in Corinth, they know what he's talking about. He's talking about the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games, the equivalent would be our Olympic Games, except the Isthmian Games were a little bit different. Every single event in the Isthmian Games was a single uh, athlete event. It was an individual event. You had boxing, you had different types of races, but you competed as an individual. There were no teams. It was an individual event. And so he says, everyone who enters in the race uh, is racing to win the prize. Everyone races, but only one person wins the prize. And probably you're thinking, well, that's a a little bit discouraging to think that only one person's going to win the prize. Well, here's the deal. Paul is using something from the real world to make application to the spiritual world. So when he says, run in such a way as to win the prize, it doesn't come across in our English, but he says, y'all run. And actually, uh, thinking back to my seminary days, I remember our Greek professor said that singular is you, and plural is like in the South, because I was up in Boston. He's like, in the South, they say y'all, and that means more than one. And I had to raise my hand. I was like, no, 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 that's wrong. Y'all is singular. All y'all is plural, right? So I had to correct him on that. So Paul is saying, all y'all run. All y'all run in such a way that you can get the prize. Because the reality is that every single one of us has the opportunity to get the prize. To get the prize. And what is that prize? That prize it's the approval of God that when we stand before him, we would hear, well done, and that for all eternity, we would reap the benefits of the eternal reward that he lays before us for being faithful. Now, let me be absolutely clear here. We are not talking about our salvation. We are not talking about our salvation. We are talking about reward from God, not the reward of entering into heaven. That is something that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That cannot be earned. That cannot be earned. Can we, are we clear on that? Raise your, shake your hand. Yes, no, we got that. All right, so we're talking about eternal reward. We're talking about the well done, my good and faithful servant. And Paul says, um, he says, look, you're entered into the race. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been entered into the race. You have a number. It is stamped on your back. Now it's up to you to run. It's up to you to run. And, and only those who compete well Only those who compete the hardest are going to be the ones who get the prize. And some of you here say, well, that's not very encouraging. I came here to hear an encouraging message, and and the problem is that I haven't been running. I haven't been running. Some of us are, instead of being spiritually fit, we're a little spiritually flabby. And you're worried. But let me tell you this, as long as you are in the race, which for believers means as long as you are on this earth until you die or Jesus comes back, You are in the race and you have an opportunity to get and move from the sidelines to get back in the race. Get back in the race and begin running. Begin running in such a way as to win the prize. And some of us think, you know what, 
only one wins. That's, that's discouraging. I'm, I'm slow. I'm out of shape. It's too late for me. And, and fortunately, Paul is saying, hey, uh, it's not too late. All y'all can get in the race, and you can run, and you can run in such a way as to win the prize. Now, we've got to understand what the prize is and what the prize isn't. And again, I, I hope we, we are all clear that what we're talking about is the eternal reward of being, uh, standing before God and being rewarded for what we have done in Christ's name. We are not talking about our salvation. Salvation is believed and not achieved. Right? Write that down if you're taking notes. Salvation is believed and not achieved. It comes simply by putting our trust in Christ and Christ alone. And I want to say, if you are here this morning, and you're not sure whether or not you have put your trust in Christ alone, that you can do that right here, right now, today. It's, it's as simple as, as moving your faith from your own good works, that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good enough to earn God's approval I'm going to be good enough to earn God's acceptance. I'm going to give enough. I'm going to attend enough church services. I'm going to do enough good things. I'm going to give enough money. It's simply moving from that mindset to understanding that you will never be good enough, but that Jesus Christ was, that he was God's perfect son who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and on the third day God raised him from the dead to prove that he had overcome the power of sin and death. And that's simply by trusting in that, our sins are forgiven and we are saved. And if that's where you are this morning and you say, I need that in my life. I need that in my life. I hope you will take that step right now. There is nothing stopping you. I hope you will take that step right now. In fact, I want to pray right now. Let's pray. Father, you know the condition of everyone's heart who is here this morning. You know what they are trusting in. I pray if there is one here this morning who has yet to put their trust in Christ alone, they're still resting on their own efforts. And I pray that they would understand that it is not about their efforts. It is about what your son Jesus Christ has already accomplished by the giving of his life. And I pray that those who have not trusted in Christ and Christ alone would do so this morning. Lord, if they're here, if that's you, and you say, I want to trust in Christ and Christ alone this morning, just pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I can never earn forgiveness for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I am trusting in Christ alone for my salvation. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that, let me be absolutely clear, that prayer did not save you. What saves you is your faith. Your faith has saved you. But if you were here this morning, you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I would love to talk to you after service this morning because you have now been entered into the race. And as a church, we want to come alongside you and make sure that you compete to win. Now, some of you say, I made that decision a long time ago, but I've gotten a little round around the middle. I haven't been training. I haven't been competing. And it's time. It's time, and let me tell you, it is not too late. You can jump right in. You can jump in right where, we are, where you are, and you can finish well, and you can still compete to win, and you can earn the prize of hearing your heavenly Father say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So what does it look like? What does it look like for us to compete to the end? Just a couple, couple thoughts here. Some of you may be in a bad marriage right now. You may be suffering in an awful marriage. And 
for you to finish well is to say, you know what, God has called me to this man. I have made a covenant before the Lord till death do us part. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to see it through. I'm going to get whatever help I need. I'm going to reach out to whoever I have to reach out to. And I am going to pray every single day that God would renew and restore our marriage. But until something else changes, I am committed to honoring my vow before the Lord. I will finish well. I will finish well. Others, others of you, it may be that uh, you're in a job that is pulling you out of your home more than it should. It's pulling your focus away from your home. And for you, it's the realization that I've got these kids in my house for just a short amount of time, and here I am working 70, 80 hours a week, and I need to, I need to make some changes to be able to focus on the very first church that God has called me to, and that is the church of my home and my family, and that I am responsible for leading them and investing in them to ensure that they know and that they are following Jesus Christ. Others of us here, it's, it's as simple as, you know what, I've been sitting on the sidelines when it comes to church. I have been nothing but a consumer. I, I come in on Sunday morning and I sit in chairs that I didn't set up, and I enjoy coffee that I didn't help prepare, and I send my kids to Sunday school classes that I've never helped lead. And, and I go out and I come back and I celebrate stories of people who are putting their trust in Jesus Christ, yet I, I, I'm on the sideline myself. I'm just enjoying the benefits of of what other people are doing, but I'm not in the race. And I want to challenge you to get in the race, whatever that looks like for you. And here's the thing. If you think about athletes, they don't do everything. Like, okay, decathlon, they do 10 events, but, but they have one thing that they're usually focused on. And they focus on doing that one thing really well. And I want to challenge you to find whatever that one thing is. Maybe God is saying, hey, I want, to, I want you to step up and find a place to serve. And maybe that place to serve is not even inside the walls of the church, but it's in the community in the name of Jesus Christ, under the banner of the church. And maybe God is saying, I want you to step up your evangelism. You, you've been praying for this person for long enough. You need to actually have a conversation with them. You need to get in the race and start running. Start striving. Start competing to win. You've got to compete to win. And I love what Paul says, the way that he says it. He says, run. Run. The way this word appears in the original language is not a suggestion. It's not an option. I can almost hear it. it, it how many of you have ever run uh, a you know, track, cross country, anybody out there ever run something like that? And you've had a coach? And, and you come down to the last leg or you pass your coach somewhere on the course and he's like, hey, run. No. He's like, run. Don't stop. Don't quit. You got to keep going. Keep going. Don't sit down. Don't stop. You got to run. Come on. Let's go. And that's Paul. Paul is standing on the sideline and he's looking at the Christians in Corinth and he's saying, come on. Get up. Get in the race. It's not too late. You're not too far behind. You can still see the leaders. Catch up. You can still win. You can still run. And Paul is calling every single one of us. He's saying, run, get up, and run. Paul is excited about this. And some of you are looking at me like, pastor just lost his mind. He just yelled in church. 
And I know that's not who I am. And if you're visiting with us this morning, please, I'm not one of those preachers that yells very much. But Paul is encouraging us. He's pleading with us. He's begging with us to run with everything that is inside of us. Because his desire is that all believers would be able to stand before the Lord and hear that, well done, my good and faithful servant, to receive the prize. Now, what is the prize uh, that Paul is talking about? What is that prize? And, and we're going we're gonna to get to that in just a second. Um, as far as what it was in the Isthmian games. But man, some of us, what does it look like to run this way? How do I get back in the race? We have men's and women's discipleship groups that are starting right now. Even runners and athletes that train for individual events, they train with other people. They train in groups. And we have opportunities for you to train and be trained in a group. Get in one of those discipleship groups. Get in a community group. Surround yourself with a group of people who are not going to let you quit. They're going to come alongside you when you start to fall behind, and they're going to say, come on, let's run. And when necessary, they're going to get in your ear, and they're going to yell at you like a coach, and they're going to say, get up, pick yourself up, and run. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. The second thing Paul's going to tell us is this. To finish well... You must go into training. To finish well, you must be in training. You've got to go into training. You can't just show up and expect that everything's going to work out. You've got to train. Let me, I was uh, in seminary. It was my period that I called my foreign missions because I was, I'm from Texas, but we were living up near Boston. So it's about as foreign as you can get when you're from Texas. And so I was up there, and I was working at a bank to try to make a little money while I was in school. And they come to me because I was the youngest person there, and they knew that I liked exercising. And they said, hey, um, we are sponsoring this 5K here in Ipswich, and we need you to run the 5K. And I still have the long sleeve shirt. And I was like, oh, yeah, 5K, 3.1 miles, I can do that. Well, the problem was that uh, I had recently been married, right? I'd been married for like six months at this point. So the food was starting to get really good. And I was starting to eat a lot more of it. And seminary workload, seminary, uh, my study load was starting to pick up. You know, you're reading 2,000 pages per class uh, times four to five classes. So 10,000 pages per semester on top of um, 15 to 25 page uh, single spaced papers that I'm writing on top of Greek and Hebrew class, right? So uh, my time in the gym had, had laxed a little bit. And they came to me and they're like, hey, would you run this? Uh, we need someone to represent the bank. And I was like, sure, I got this. So I didn't train. I showed up on the race day. How do you think I did? Not good. I got passed by this raisin of an old man. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had a walker and passed me. Uh, towards the end of the race, I could hear these like 14, 15-year-old girls. They were just like, ah! They're laughing and they're jogging and they run right past me and I'm sucking wind. I'm doing everything I can to finish this race. It did not go well. Why? Because I had not gone into training. I had not trained. It was the absolute worst experience of my life and I'm embarrassed to even admit that it happened. But Paul says, hey, whoever, he says this, verse 25, now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. Paul says everyone who competes, and the word that he uses, competes, is the word agonizomai. Now, you don't have to be a Greek scholar to know that that's where we get our word agony from. Agonizes. He says they agonize. 
everyone who agonizes in these competitions. He's saying they are pushing themselves to the limits. They, they exercise self-control in some things. Is that what it says? Anytime I say something that the Bible doesn't say, you say heresy. Is that what it says? No, it says he exercises self-control in what? Everything. Everything. You have to exercise self-control. You have to be disciplined. There are athletes who, who they commit their entire lives to practice. They eat, sleep, and breathe practice. They go into training. They exercise. They build up their strength. They build up their cardiovascular endurance. They, they go on special diets. And they know that rest is important. So when they think, you know what, I want to be training more so I can get better, they say, no, it's better that I rest. I need to rest so that I can get, come back stronger tomorrow and push myself even harder. They give up hobbies. Some prize fighters will even give up women before a big fight. They give up so much. Why? Why? Going back to the Isthmian Games, what was the reward? What was the prize that they would win? It was a crown. It was a crown made of celery. You look it up, right? Google Isthmian Games and crown, and you'll find it was celery. Now, how many of you have ever left celery out on the counter for like two hours, right? It does not look good even after two hours at room temperature. These guys are, are striving. They are competing. They are pushing themselves for this little crown of celery that's not going to last. Paul says, if if the athletes in the physical world are willing to push themselves for something that's going to last less than a few hours, how much more should we as followers of Jesus Christ push ourselves for something that will last for all eternity? We ought to be pushing ourselves for these crowns that we're going to receive from the Lord that are going to last for all eternity. How do we do this? How do we, how do we start competing? How do we start training ourselves? For some of us, it may be that we need to, to get up, just like a runner would get up. I, I've run a couple marathons, and, and I could tell you there were mornings that I was getting up at four o'clock on a Saturday to go and do a 20-mile run so that I could be done before it was 100 degrees at 9 a.m., right? So you, you've got to get up early. For some of us, our work is not a track workout or a road workout. We need to do a word workout. We need to get up early. We need to commit that I'm going to get up 30 minutes early so I can spend some time in prayer and some time in the Word, reading five minutes a day, and then just contemplating what God is saying to me. For others of us, God may be saying, you know what? Your prayer life is lacking. You need to, you need to grow in your prayer life. And perhaps God is saying to you, what if you just gave up your lunch break once a week? And instead of going out, going down to the cafeteria, um, going out with uh, scheduling a lunch meeting, going out with your coworkers, what if you just sat at your desk ate your meal there, and then spent 20, 30 minutes in prayer, just talking to me, seeking my face about what I would have you do in in your life. Others of us, it it may be some other area where we need to get involved. We need to make some other sacrifices. And I think it's always funny, you know, people, especially the one about getting up early, people hate that. Um, Some of the groups, uh, discipleship groups, are are pretty early morning for the men. We did biblical manhood. That started at 6 a.m. We've got a couple other groups that are starting 6 a.m. in the morning. And uh, it's always funny because guys are like, oh, man, that's too early. I can't get up. And and then you're like, hey, I'm going to pick you up at 4.30 to go fishing on Saturday. Oh, great. I'll be ready. I'll bring a cooler and uh, we'll go. I'm like, all right, so you can get up at 4.30 to go fishing or to golf or to hunt or whatever. But 
you know, getting up at 5.30 to get ready for Bible studies too much? What does that tell you about where your priorities are? Are you focused on the temporal or the eternal? God says, hey, we've got to go into training. We've got to agonize over this. Um, Again, I want to be absolutely clear. Paul Paul tells Timothy, he says, um, physical training is of some use, but train yourself for godliness. It's useful in all things. Its usefulness is in all things. And I just want to remind us again, we're not talking about training. We're not talking, talking about striving for our salvation because that's already accomplished through Jesus Christ. Again, we're talking about that reward, that crown that we will receive from our Heavenly Father when we stand before him on that day. Paul's going to go on and he's going to tell us, tell us another aspect of, of how to finish well in verse 26. He says, therefore, now anytime you come across a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? And so he's saying, because of everything that I just explained, because, because all these, these runners, these athletes in the physical world, they're willing to do all these things. We ought to be willing to do all these things. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Paul says, look, we as Christians, as followers of Christ, to finish well, we must compete with purpose. We must compete with purpose. You've got to know what the end goal is. What are you running towards? You've got to have that finish line in mind. Imagine if at the Olympics this past summer, they line up for the 100-yard dash, and that gun goes off, and everybody just runs in different directions. They run 100 yards, but they all run in different directions. How in the world would you know who the winner is? You wouldn't. It would be ridiculous. Nobody would watch that. There would be absolutely no excitement to it. It'd be like watching soccer, right? Where's Mason? Oh, Mason's not in here. I'm just joking. Right? There was no excitement if everybody just scatters. When you watch the Olympics, man, those guys, they are looking at that finish line. They are focused on the finish line. They keep it in their sight. Even marathon runners, they're constantly thinking about where is the end? That's where I'm headed. I got to make it to the end. The reality is for us, many of us run without a purpose. We run without a purpose. Paul talks about a boxer. He says, man, um, I don't run aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Anybody ever watched a shadow boxer? Anybody ever seen any of that? Right? You've seen the movie Rocky where he's doing a little shadow boxing? They make a lot of noise, don't they? But they don't get anything accomplished. <laughs> Making all this noise. They're not accomplishing anything. Paul says, some of us as Christians make a lot of noise and we talk a big game on Sunday, but we're not accomplishing anything during the week. We go Monday through Saturday, our Bible sits in the same place, probably in our car where we left it on Sunday morning after church. It sits in the same place and it never gets picked up again. Paul says, don't, do like, don't be like that. Don't run aimlessly. Have a purpose. Know your purpose. Pursue your purpose. God's calling on us is for us to fight our opponent. We've got to fight our opponent, Satan. We've got to fight our opponent, the flesh, that is always calling us away from God. And that requires one last thing that Paul's going to give us. He says in verse 27, Instead, 
I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Instead of running aimlessly, instead of just shadow boxing, I, I discipline myself. I discipline my bodies. And this is the last one, is that to finish well, you must be disciplined. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that sounds a lot like going into training. And yeah, they're very closely related. They're very closely related. We have got to be willing to say no to some things in order to say yes to pursuing God. And the word discipline that Paul uses here is a boxing term, and it means to strike under the eye, to beat black and blue. Paul is saying that as followers of Jesus Christ, as contenders in that battle, we have got to be willing to fight. We've got to be, Paul says, I bring my body into submission. Some translations say, I make my body a slave. I make my body a slave. I, I, I beat myself black and blue to do whatever it takes to say no to the things of this world, to say no to the things that so easily entangled us as we looked at in Hebrews 12 last week so that I may pursue Jesus Christ. And for some of you here this morning, maybe your struggle is what, with what you watch on TV, maybe it's the music you listen to, or, or maybe it's what you're looking at on your computer, and you need to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever is necessary. I'm going to beat my body down, and I'm going to get someone in my life who is going to beat me down to make sure that, that I don't do it. And I'm going to go to whatever extremes necessary so that I can finish well. For others of you here, maybe, maybe the thing that's, that's hanging you up is that you love to talk about other people, right? Steal magnolias. If you can't say anything nice, come sit next to me, right? That's you. You want to hear everything that's going on, and you get involved in gossip and slander, and God is saying to you, you know what, you've got to let that go. You've got to beat yourself down, and you've got to be willing to say, you know what, I, I would love to stay here and talk about this person, but I just can't. It's not right. I've got to walk away. And you beat your body into submission. You make your body your slave. Bring it under strict control. And what is Paul talking about? In, in the previous chapters, he's talked all about his freedom in Christ. He's talked all about his freedom in Christ. If you read starting back in chapter 7, he's saying, I have all these freedoms in Christ. I'm free to do whatever I want. Everything is permissible. Not everything's profitable. He says, I have absolute freedom in Christ to do what I want. But here he says, I bring my body into control that I might not be disqualified from the prize. Not be disqualified from the prize. Let me challenge you, what area in your life do you need to beat down in order to not be disqualified from the prize? Paul's fear was that, that he would be disqualified from the prize, and you read a number of commentaries, and, uh, and man, I just, they get it so wrong. They think that Paul is, is afraid of losing his salvation, and nothing could be further from the truth. Over and over again, Paul, throughout the New Testament, affirms that he knows that he is sealed in Jesus Christ until the very end. And I think the NIV translates this the best way. It says, that I may be disqualified from the prize, from the crown. Paul's fear is not in losing his salvation. His fear is that he would get to a point in his life, and he says, look, after preaching to others, and the word that he uses there is the same word for the herald, the man who would call the runners to the line. And he says, after calling others to the line and, and getting them entered into the race, my fear is that I myself would not finish well, that I would get distracted, that something would knock me off course, and that I would not finish well. He says, at no point 
do I get to say I've arrived? Paul does not envision himself ever saying, you know what, hey, I'm retired from ministry, 65 years old, retired from work, it's my turn to just sit back and coast. He doesn't say that. He says, I, I want to make sure that after calling others into this race, that I myself am not disqualified. And, and I can tell you, I have friends that I went to seminary with that, man, they made better grades than me. They were better preachers than me. Uh, they were better at the biblical languages than me. And they were, they were having great impact in their ministry. Yet things have come up in their life that have pulled them away from the Lord. And they're no longer walking with him. There are people in my past ministries that I've known over the years who have walked away. And they're no longer running. And my prayer for every single one of them is that through, through uh, an amazing miracle of God that they would be restored and that they would get back in the race. And Paul understands. Paul understands that he is not exempt from this. I am not exempt from this. You need to pray for your pastor every single day that, that I would not give in to anything that would disqualify me, not just from ministry, but from the reward that God offers. You need to pray for those around you that, that they would finish well. They would finish well. And Paul says, look, I recognize that even though I'm doing great things right now, there's still the possibility that something could come and knock me off course. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to finish well. I want to finish. Let's flip over to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Corinthians is one of Paul's first letter, letters that he writes. In fact, it's the very first letter that we have of Paul. 2 Timothy is the very last letter that Paul has written and in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul tells us about a man named Demas and says, Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas has deserted me. Demas got knocked off track because he loved the present world. How many Christians are out there today, those who profess to trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, those who profess to be walking with him, love the present world and pursue the world more than they pursue Jesus Christ? Now let's look back a couple verses at Paul. This is towards the end of his life. And this is what he says. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me in the future the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. He uses that word agonizomai one more time. Fought, agonizomai. I have strived. I've sacrificed. I've made it. I can see the end. I know the end is near. And I know that I've made it. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I've made it to the end. It's the same word used in 1 Corinthians 9.25. And he says, because I fought the good fight, because I persevered, because I'm finishing well, I know that there is a crown of righteousness for me. That same word crown is the word that's used back in 1 Corinthians to describe the prize that the athletes are running for. And Paul says, when I stand before the Lord, I'm going to receive that prize. 
because I'm going to finish well. I finished well. And he says, not only for me, but for all those who have loved the Lord's appearing. What does it mean to love the Lord's appearing? To love the Lord's appearing means this, that, that you live every single day with eternity in mind. That what matters most to you is eternity. Jonathan Edwards said it this way. Uh, he said, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Stamp eternity on my eyeballs. He wanted every single time he opened his eyes to not be looking at what was right before him, the bills that had to be paid, the things that had to be done around the house. He wanted eternity on his mind. That everything he would do would be for that day when he stands before the Lord that he could hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God has so much more for you. He has so much more for, the, for you than to just work a mediocre job, raise polite children, and show up to church on Sunday morning. He has a race that he wants you to run. He wants you to compete. He wants you to be in training. He wants you to be disciplined. God's desire for you is that you would finish well. And what we're talking about here is uh, not acceptance, but approval. I love my kids. And there's absolutely nothing they could ever do to make me love them any less. If you're a parent, you get that. I don't care what they say. I don't care if when they're teenagers they say, I hate you and slam the door. I don't care if they curse me out, call me names, run away from home. I don't care what they do. I will always love them. And there's nothing they can ever do to change that. But I will not always approve of what they do. And there are times... When as their father, I have to correct them and I have to enter into their life to make sure they stay on course. The same is true with our Heavenly Father. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, there is nothing you can do to lose his acceptance, his love for you. Absolutely nothing. But that does not guarantee his approval. His approval, hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to challenge us this morning. Man, where are you? Where are you? How are you running that race? How are you running the race? I want to challenge you this morning. The worship team is going to come out and we're going to sing a few songs. And I want to encourage you there in your bulletin. There's a spot that says, um, take two. And I want you to write down whatever you feel like God is saying to you. Like, where is that area where you're weak? Maybe it's beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ and getting into the race in the first place. Maybe you've been in the race for a while and you've just been sitting on the sidelines eating popcorn, watching everybody else run, and you think, man, there are, there are people in this church who are pulling away. I, I can guarantee you the people who are in those discipleship groups, as they go through those discipleship groups, they're going to begin to run even harder and even faster. And I want to challenge you, don't get left behind. The pack is moving forward. And, and maybe you feel like I've been behind for far too long and there's no way I can catch up. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You can start today. You can start today and you can get into training. You can go into training. You can discipline yourself and you can catch back up. Our desire at, here at River Rock is that all of us together, we would be able to stand together on that day and hear from the Lord, well done, my good and faithful servants. And that we would be able to say, uh, God, I, I was failing. And then God would say, yeah, you were failing, but remember I brought this person into your life to run alongside of you. Or, God, what happened to my friend? I, I, what happened? 
he fell behind and then God will say, you know what? I'm going to reward you because when he started to fall behind, you came and you ran alongside of him. You came alongside of her and you encouraged her. Well done. Well done. What's the step that God is calling you? How are you going to compete to win? What is your plan to finish well? Let's pray.